Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Thunderstruck, our look back at uh, the greatest matches of one Jishin Thunder Liger, uh, as picked by each and every unique standalone guest of this series. And uh, my name is W.H. Park. I host the uh, Post Perez uh, podcast, along with John Pollock here at postwrestling.com. And uh, joining me today is a very special guest host. Uh, he is the uh, co-host of the Eastern Lariat podcast and one of the brainchilds of the, uh, or one of the brains behind the brainchild of the Eastern Lariat Patreon as well. Uh, the most in-depth uh, podcast uh, series of uh, shows that uh, cover all of Japanese professional wrestling like no one else in uh, in, in wrestling podcasting, in my humble opinion, because uh, I don't know where they find the time to watch all these shows and talk about them, but uh, they, they do. They, they find the time, and I appreciate it as a, as a listener and a fan. Uh, joining me today is Striga. Striga, how are you, sir? Oh, hello, WH. Hello out to the listeners. Thanks for having me again on your great uh, series of shows that you have now here uh well, very happy to be on this one as well after being on cruel summer twice actually and uh yeah i'm, I'm very good we're uh recording this on a, on a very nice day here and uh yeah i i, I hope uh, everyone is going to enjoy what uh, we'll bring to the listeners well this is a, a pretty unique batch in that i i, I didn't even even hear about this until you brought it up that you wanted to talk about it. And then, and then it was not easy to find. You had to send me a copy of this. Um, and I want to say to people right now, like this might not be <laughs> easy for you to find. I, I did a search on Google. I, I will probably share a link on Twitter when this show is going up. Okay. Well, thank you, Striga. Like I was, I was going to kind of disclaimer this and say, please don't bother either myself or you <laughs> for, for, if you're going to put up a link, that's, that's fine. Uh, hopefully uh, we'll, maybe we'll put up uh, in the show description as well when, when the show is ready to drop. So that's great. Uh, Striga, how is, before we get to the show, let's talk about, uh, you are of course, you know, the co-host of the Eastern Lariat. You cover professional wrestling from Japan very in-depthly, but I want to ask you about your personal personal kind of fandom for Jushin Liger. Yeah, so like I was thinking about uh, what match I could watch or with you and discuss with you on this show. And I was thinking that probably most of the uh, guest hosts that you have on this show would uh, choose a match from Jushin Liger's New Japan Pro Wrestling career. So... I thought giving it a little different spin would be a very uh, good way to shed a light on some different stuff that Yushin Liger did in his career because, of course, I got introduced to Yushin Liger. Like, I, I became a wrestling fan in the late 90s, so I didn't see his early uh, stuff when it happened, but I became a... Yeah, became a fan of his work like in the early 2000s, of course. But most importantly, I always was fascinated by him going outside of his own bubble, so to speak, in New Japan Pro Wrestling and doing different ventures, like, for example, going to Pro Wrestling Noah, being their junior heavyweight champion, or going to Dragon Gate and being their Open the Dream Gate champion. That's put Yushin Liger into a completely different perspective for me because in New Japan, of course, the the juniors do have a worth, but 
whenever Yushin Liger went outside of New Japan Pro Wrestling, especially when he went to smaller companies like here in Osaka Pro or, he, or if he went to, I don't know, Michinoku Pro Wrestling, you could see how, how big of a star he really is. And so that always impressed me. And that's why I wanted to go back and revisit this match. Okay, so what match are we going to talk about today? We are talking about a match of uh, Yushin Thunderliger and his tag team partner, Takehiro Murahama, against the tag team of Infinity, Black Buffalo and Tsubasa for the Osaka Pro Tag Team Championship. And uh, it was a show that happened in the big Osaka Joe Hall, which I guess was the first big, big show that Osaka Pro ever did. And the crowd was an official crowd of 7,868 people. So you can see how vastly different the Japanese pro wrestling scene was in the early 2000s, where you had a company in Osaka that basically did New Japan numbers. Yeah, and let's talk a bit about Osaka pro wrestling for people who might not be familiar with it. I lived in Osaka in, in 2000, 2001, so I actually got to see uh, some shows at uh, the Delphin Arena. And uh, you right. know, for that, it's called the Delphin Arena because the founder of Osaka pro wrestling was Super Delphin, formerly of Michinoku Pro. I guess he had a falling out with Great Sasuke and decided to mm -hmm. uh, go on his own and go back to his hometown of Osaka and, and just start training people and, and putting people uh, on his roster. Yes. Um, it was in 1999 that the uh, founder of Osaka Pro, as you mentioned, Super Delphin, announced that him and other wrestlers from Ichinoku Pro, like Grananiwa, Masato Yakushiji, Naohiro Hoshikawa, Masaru Sen Senu, who later became Dayu Kualt, and Hayato Kikawa, who became Super Demikin, Super Dolphin, or nowadays Hub, plus the referee that we know from DDT now, Yukinori Matsui, left Michinoku Pro Wrestling, as we said, falling out. I think they, the story behind that always was that they, or that Super Dolphin felt that they weren't used well enough in Michinoku Pro Wrestling. So they founded their own group on March 4, 1999, and the first show was held on April 29, 1999. And this promotion, Osaka Pro, is basically a lucha-style promotion with comedy influences and mostly attracting families and their children, as we could see on this show as well. When you watched the uh, opening credits and the opening of the show with the camera uh, going around the arena, there were many, many children who had like these stuffed animals of Osaka Pro wrestlers like Ebesan or Kuishibu Kamen, Almost reminiscent of what we have nowadays with the buddies that New Japan Pro Wrestling sell, but just like over 10 years earlier than that. So that, that was a fascinating time in Japanese wrestling. And, um, you know, little excursion here, uh, this Lucha, Lucha, Lucha Rezu style. Besides the dragon system can all be traced ba back basically to Michinoku Pro and also to Gran Hamada. And another trace is also Azteca of Kageki, and they all were in Michinoku Pro in the early days. 
And they brought the lucha style and lucha culture to Japan and mixed it with uh, Japanese pro wrestling elements. And today, for example, there is a vivid lucha scene in uh, in the region of Fukuoka too. And uh, as for Michi- as for Osaka pro wrestling, uh, they were very popular in the early 2000s, like up until for maybe like 2006, 2007, around the time. But then problems started to come up as in 2007, Super Delphin left management and founded Okinawa Pro Wrestling in 2008. So he went down to the south of Japan and took some wrestlers with him as well, which hurt Michinoku Pro, uh, which hurt Osaka Pro, of course. Mm, but trouble didn't really stop there. In 2009, the head referee of Osaka Pro, Tetanabe, died at the age of 46, just a couple of days after Misawa died, actually. And in 2012, they lost Atsushi Kotoge. And 2013, Daisuke Harada to Noah. They lost wrestlers like Kuga, Hayata, Hideyoshi, Masamune, etc. And they were all gone due to cost-cutting measures because the crowds started to um, yeah, get more spares and they only drew like a couple of dozen of people actually to some of their uh, smaller shows. And which what also happened is that Kuga formed another group in Osaka by the name of Dotonbori Pro Wrestling. You mentioned the uh, arena that they used to run in the early days, which was the Osaka Delphin Arena until 2007 and later on they used, ran, ran an arena that was called Delphin Arena Dotonbori uh, up until 2009 so he took the name from from there of course Dotonbori being a name of the region in Osaka and uh, upon, from that point on the scene in Osaka basically was scattered there were many many tiny groups running the scene Billy Ken Kid also has, a, has his own promotion by the name of Pro Wrestling Answer, and there is VKF, for example, and other groups now try to, yeah, um, revitalize the scene by using Osaka Pro Talent, which is very interesting now that's uh, over 15 years after we talk, after this event, event we talk about now. Yeah, it's it's a, it's really uh, amazing to see how the splintering from like first from Michinoku Pro and then later from Osaka Pro has created all these kind of like smaller indie groups that you know can have like their varying you know levels of uh, successful wrestlers or different level different wrestlers of different skill levels and and what have you. But uh, at this time, this is so this show is emanating from uh, Osaka Joe Hall. It's called Osaka Hurricane. It it's uh, the date on this show is February first. 2003 and i i would say that probably you know from watching this show i was really surprised straight out, like the amount of people that were in this you you listed a, an attendance figure about around seven thousand people which is pretty impressive for osaka joe hall i i finally went to it uh this past june to to watch new japan's dominion show um but i i was also really impressed with the production of this show like the the, the stage setup and how well the it was shot by the camera people and everything. I just thought I was really, really impressed with the whole package of Osaka Pro in 2003. Yeah, me too. I, the, at the beginning, they showed this big walk up to the building when fans were rock, walking up to the arena. They they had a shot of the name of the arena of Osaka Joe Hall at the beginning of the show. As as I said, they they um, they had this camera showing people in the crowd wearing merchandise and these stuffed animals and uh what i especially liked about this is that this was this giant arena 
with almost 8,000 people in attendance. But still, when watching the match, they made it feel somewhat intimate because they only shot the um, from from the across the hard cam position. There were only a couple of dozen fans. It felt like, or maybe a few a few hundred fans. It felt like. But, it's, but still, it was a giant arena, but it, in an intimate feeling like um, Osaka Pro always used to be. So I, I really like that. Yeah, it had this kind and of, a, uh, sorry, this had this kind of like, maybe like a, more of a Shinkiba feel rather than like a yeah. Korkin feel. Exactly. And what I also liked about this show is none of the matches were longer than 20 minutes. And the one we're talking about was the longest were the 17 minutes. There you go. Like, I, I, I'm always a big fan of, like, shorter matches, especially if I have to review them on, on this <laughs> show. But that's not happening too often, Strick. I, I have to say, like, a lot of the Liger matches, especially the singles matches, are, are going about 20 minutes minimum. But uh, this is... Uh... Let me, before we go to the match, let me quickly give a little bit more, just one more point on the current state of Osaka Pro Wrestling. It happens a lot that when I tweet about Osaka Pro Wrestling that people tweet me, oh, they're still running. Or when I tweet about a certain wrestler from like the mid-2000s, like Ultimate Spider Jr., who also was in Shikara, that he's still wrestling. And they say, oh, oh he's still wrestling. Yeah, um, after 2014, they had to let their entire roster go. And basically from that point on, from April 20, 2014 on, Osaka Pro was gone from public perception and it wasn't more than a tiny indie with new faces and after that there was a lot of influence from former dragon uh, from former osaka pro star gamma who was now with uh, dragon gate who we also saw on this show and they also have some wrestlers from heat up working the show and right now the current champions of osaka pro wrestling the heavyweight or the osaka pro wrestling champion is tsubasa and the current reigning Osaka Pro Tag Team Champions are Gamma and Super Shisa. Interesting. Gamma's back in Osaka Pro. Who'd have thought? Yeah. But um, <laughs> before, actually, I, I'd like to get more information about the participants in this match. Uh, people, a lot of people might not be familiar with them. Of course, everyone knows who Liger is, obviously. If, they're on, if they've gotten this far in the series, you, you know who Juice and Liger is. Let's talk about First Infinity, the tag team of Subasa and Black Buffalo. What can you tell us about them? Yeah, so Buffalo is a mainstay of Osaka Pro Wrestling. He I, he was there from the very beginning, I believe. He, As long as I can remember Osaka Pro Wrestling, Buffalo was a part of it. Yeah, he started in 1999 and became a very crucial part of the promotion. Um, he held the Osaka Pro Tag Team title seven times now he was actually the tag team champion with Tsubasa earlier this year a brief run of uh, 76 days from January to March of this year and he also was an Osaka Pro champion for one time um, he not only was a wrestler in Osaka Pro Wrestling but he also became an office member he was the vice president of Osaka Pro after Super Delphin left the promotion. And uh, yeah, he was the vice president during these very troubled days that the promotion saw. And later on, after Osaka Pro kind of went down, he wrestled for other groups like Guts World and became a mainstay of the indie scene in Japan. 
And if people watch this uh, match before listening to this, I'm going to just, people might be wondering, what's what's his gimmick? Well, he wears a buffalo mask with horns yeah. and a baseball cap and a baseball outfit. And basically, his gimmick is based upon a baseball team in the Osaka region called the Kintetsu Buffaloes. So there's Kintetsu Buffaloes, and the other big team in Osaka is, of course, the Hashin Tigers. And we have Tiger's Mask, who's a, yes. a wrestler that's kind of inspired by that baseball team. But Basically, Black Buffalo is basically a guy who loves Kintetsu Buffaloes enough to wear a Buffalo mask with a baseball cap on top of it. Yeah, and to this, uh, you mentioned him, Tiger's Mask. He um, Black Buffalo lost a mask versus mask match against Tiger's Mask back in two, 2008 and was uh, not wearing a mask for a couple of years, went back to wearing the mask years ago. And uh, yeah, you mentioned... Uh, Tiger's Mask, he later became uh, another famous baseball team's uh, um, figure like uh, Eagle's Mask in Michinoku Pro Wrestling. So we also have Billy Ken Kid on this show. And, and the Billy Ken, isn't, isn't that something from the Osaka region as well? I think so. I, I'm kind of like drawing a blank on exactly what it means because I, I didn't do any research. Oh, the, uh, the, the Bill, Billy Kens are these, um, these statues that they have in the region. They were founded, or they were thought of in, in the U.S., but now they are part of uh, culture in the region as well, I think. Yeah. How, how about Tsubasa? Tell us about, about Tsubasa. Yeah, Tsubasa is uh, another mainstay of uh, Osaka Pro Wrestling. Now, nowadays, also working for different groups like Buffalo is. He's mainly working Osaka Pro, VKF, Kyushu Pro Wrestling. He's, I think he's right now, yeah, he's... Uh, the Kyushu Pro Tag Team Champion. That's another uh, indie group from the region of uh, Fukuoka. Uh, now 46 years old. And uh, in, his, in his heyday, which was probably like the mid-2000s, he always was a very solid to good high-flying wrestler, I thought. And um, was all, also very versatile. Could work a, in a face role and as well in a heel role like we we saw him in uh, in this match. He's, as I said, the current Osaka Pro champion was Osaka Pro tag team champion five times in his day. And also, very early on, bef uh, or before Osaka Pro started and up until the early shows, he also basically, he also for one time was the CMLL Japan tag team champion with a wrestler called El Oriental, who um, I think trained uh, some of the wrestlers here in Osaka Pro Wrestling. Okay, and how about Jishin Liger's partner, Takehiro Murahama? I, I'm very familiar with him because he was wrestling in Osaka Pro when I was living in Osaka and going to some of their shows. He stood out to me because he, he doesn't do really a lucha style. He's more of a, how would we say, shoot fighter. He kind of does the kind yeah. of a Koji Kanemoto, Kenta style of wrestling. Yeah, and he not only does that, his uh, brother by the name of Takaharu Murahama, he also was an MMA fighter. And Murahama's career is uh, very tragic. He could have been a big star in Osaka Pro Wrestling, but he had to end his wrestling career due to a knee injury in 2007 up until that point he also um, was a two-time tag team champion in osaka pro as well as a two-time singles champion in the promotion and uh, after he ended his uh, had to end his wrestling career because he, he really was a, a big prospect and if you go back to osaka pro days and if you go 
and talk to fans of Osaka Pro from this era, they always talk very fondly about Takehiro Murahama. And if you um, go to his MMA uh, record, he has an MMA record of 10 wins and 9 losses. That is up until 2004. And I believe he uh, did some more kickboxing, but I'm not sure, not very familiar of his work after Osaka Pro, after wrestling, but definitely, as you said, not a high flyer, but more of a shoot style based uh, wrestler. And he's really well known to Noah fans because him and Jushin Liger participated in the uh, GHC Junior Tag Team Title Tournament, I think to crown the first champions, right? Uh, that could very well be. I can, of course, always look it up on uh, on my website, cagematch.net. And yes, they were actually in this tournament and they were in the final of that tournament, losing to Kenta and Naomichi Fuji. What happened to those two guys? Did they become anything? I don't know. I've never heard of them. Uh, I've never heard of them since. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so Takahiro Murahama, definitely someone who, if you if you watch this match in preparation for this podcast or you're going to watch it after listening to this, definitely go seek out uh, some of his other matches, especially the tag team stuff he did with Liger in Noah. Also, he, he, did, do, he did do some stuff uh, with Liger in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. Yeah. Also went to the finals of the 2005 Tenkaichi Junior Tournament of 0-1 Pro Wrestling, losing to Yoshiro Sasaki back then. So it's not like he only wrestled in Osaka. He was a guy that many, many people in Japan thought would be a big prospect. He also wrestled for a DDT for one time at least. And matches for um, U style pro wrestling as well. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so let's Striga, let's get into this match. Uh, we start the match, and out first are the challengers, uh, Murahama and Liger, coming out to, of course, the familiar strains of Ikari no Jushin. Uh, out next, out second. Is... Want to go? Want to go back a little bit further to the hype video? Actually, we saw oh, the, sure. the hype video that brought us Infinity completely in uh, black and white. With uh, the famous uh, Rammstein tune Du Hast in the background as the song. And uh, it also, also showed Yushin Liger coming to the ring at a prior Osaka Pro show. And they mentioned that he is the real Osaka hero. And after that, he was attacked by Infinity and they tried to take his mask. And yeah, and that led us to, as you said, Ikaro no Yushin, that... On this big of a stage, comes across so well. It does indeed. And out second, uh, appropriately enough, are the o- Osaka Pro Wrestling Tag Team Champions Infinity, Black Buffalo, and Subasa. So uh, L- Liger and Buffalo. This is basically their their story. This match is their story. They yes. start out the match with an intense uh, series of uh, collar noble lockups, headlocks, shoulder tackles, etc. Just trying to get the the uh, the advantage over the other person. Yeah, exactly. As you said, their story of the match. Very early on in this match, it was clear who the two couples in this team would be or the two pairings in this team would be. The other pairing was Tsubasa and Murahama. They started uh, out with a quick exchange of strikes after Ligon Buffalo were out. Murahama ran into a tilde whirl but was still able to get Tsubasa down with a spinning kick and tag to Liger. Uh, then Liger... Hits a diving body press and a pile driver on uh, Tsubasa, but throws him out and signals to Buffalo, I want you. 
So it was was very clear what was bound to happen in this match. Yeah, there's a lot of great action uh, even before that. Like there's a point where Subasa tags in and he jumps over the top rope and he shoots Liger out of the corner where he, he's been put in there by Buffalo with a hurricane beautiful. And then he sends him out of the ring with a beautiful drop kick. Um, and like we were saying before, this is a Lucharez company. So Lucha tag rules apply. You don't need to tag. As soon as like your partner goes out, you can come into the ring. And so we don't need to like worry about things like, you know, tags and things like that. So if you see this match and you're thinking, why are they tagging? Why are they just coming in? That it's a Lucharez company like Dragon Gate. So those kinds of rules apply here. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they they used it very well in this match too, but they also managed to do some cutoff sequences, some isolation sequences later on in the match, which started out with the Infinity Tag Team double teaming Murahama and Murahama first outside and then also Liger. They put them onto the apron in a seated position and did these drive-by drop kicks like. Uh, a wrestler by the name of Roman Reigns used to do over 10 years later. And uh, also, he Tsubasa used a very infamous hold these days, the Paradise Lock on Takiro Murahama. And then, as I said, this led to Murahama being isolated and worked yeah, so over by Infinity. You talk about the drive-bys. I made a note of that as well. And back in the ring, you know, uh, Subasa and Murahama go at it when uh, Subasa hits this beautiful spinning heel kick. And you're saying, places him in the paradise lock. And I'm just like, wow, that's... And it's a really quick paradise lock. It, it's not like... It's not milk like Sonata yeah. does it. And <laughs> I don't mind when Sonata does it necessarily, but this was a really quick paradise lock. So obviously, they're they're like watching their, uh, you know, Toriyaman 2000 tapes and, uh, and Toriyaman proper with the uh, Milano Collection AT. Uh, from here, there's a long control sequence from Infinity tagging in and out, working over Murahama. Uh, Subasa puts him in a modified version of the Tequila Sunrise that looks really good. Uh, Liger is finally able to tag in and hits Black Buffalo with a Shote and uh, Subasa with a Tilt-A-Whirl backbreaker. So he's getting his signature moves in and, and really drawing the crowd into this match, Suga. Yes, the Shote was Liger's weapon of choice, and we also saw it later on in the match by Murahama in a different variation. Uh, that hit Tsubasa really hard, as did the powerbomb, and the ref had to check on him if he could continue. And uh, Murahama then took out Buffalo with a tope to the outside, and uh, inside Tsubasa then countered a Liger bomb with a Hurricane Rana for a two-kind, for a very near, near fall. And, uh, but Liger was able to regain control, which led to Murahama and Buffalo being in the ring. And Murahama then hit multiple takeovers into a Kimura. And, uh, but as he is much smaller than uh, Buffalo, from that Kimura position, Buffalo just picked him up and tried to powerbomb him. But Murahama got back into the Kimura hold, which was a very good sequence in the match too. And also, uh, Murahama channeled, channeled a little bit of Yushin Liger here, too, with a brain buster on Buffalo. Then he ducked a big lariat. That, was, that is always one of um, Buffalo's go-to moves. He, he's a bigger junior heavyweight than uh, the most, most of the guys he wrestles on the indie scene. So his big lariat always looks very impressive when he does it on guys like Murahama, for example. And... Uh, Infinity regains control here with a double impact from the top rope. At, at least they tried to do, but... Uh, oh, no, um, Yushin Liger and... Um, 
uh, Murahama actually tried to go for the double impact, but that backfired and Buffalo rolled up Liger for two. Yeah, and uh, they were then, that's my correct notes here, they were then able to regain control yeah, so with double teams on Liger. One of the things like in, in this part of the match just before this point is like I was really impressed with the amount of shine that Murahama gets. It's not just about Liger and Buffalo. Like there is definitely the way the match is laid out, there is definitely – uh, you know, a, a conscious effort to give Murahama the shine in this match, which is probably the most high-profile match of the show because Jushin Liger is in it. So there's, you know, lots of sequences where Murahama is using his kicks. There's a lot of, uh, you know, places where he's, like, using MMA, like, moves like the Kimura Lock. And, and it just being, like, tenacious about it. He's he's not, like, easily, you know, letting go of these moves or anything like that. But Black Buffalo and Subasa have to fight to get out of these moves from Murahama. Yeah, exactly, and they 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 fought very well too. But of course, there is Yushin Liger in this match, and uh, after a couple of these sequences that you mentioned, that Infinity tried to get control after the match, Liger um, is hit by a spinning wheel kick from the top rope by uh, Buffalo, which nah, didn't didn't look very good to be honest. And Liger is up first after this, and he hits a German suplex, and then they begin to double-team Tsubasa. And uh, Murahama is able to get Buffalo to the outside, and then he hits his top-rope brainbuster on Tsubasa. And I thought, okay, that's it. But no, it was just... Yeah, I, I, we're, we're kind of moving all over the place with this review. It's cool, though. Um, I just want to talk about like some of the, you know, the, the kind of the high points for me. Like there's a sequence where Infinity's just hitting Liger with a series of lariats, but they can't keep him down for the three. They, mm-hmm. they hit him with the lariat, uh, go for a pin, can't keep him down. Uh, Black Buffalo hits a big lariat to no effect on Liger. And just Liger just counters with this huge shote. And it's this one particular shote, like the crowd is hot for this, but this is like the part where they like really escalate their interest in the match. And they feel like, oh my God, this is, we're watching something special here. Yeah, exactly. And, and go, also going back a, li- a couple of minutes in this match, as you said, the crowd only really erupted at this point. Before that, we we mentioned this isolation sequence with Murahama, and I don't know if it was because of the audience being used to lucha tag rules, they didn't really react to the hot tag as I imagined they would do when Murahama finally tagged Liger. Uh, the crowd reacted to that, but very mildly, uh, in contrast to how they reacted when uh, Liger and Murahama finally fought There's back a here. There's point where like, the... the... Match focus shifts back to Black Buffalo and Liger. Uh, Black Buffalo like blocks a Shote attempt from Liger, and uh, Liger uh, hits him with a series of strikes. He blocks Black Buffalo's German suplex attempt and hits his own release German, but Subasa breaks up the pin. Uh, there's a great point where Liger and Murahama hit Subasa with a, a, with a double Shote. Basically, imagine the Rock and Roll Express double dropkick, but it's them doing a double Shote on Subasa here. I thought it was just beautiful. Yes, that was beautiful. I already mentioned the top rope brainbuster. That was one of the highlights, definitely in the match. Great crowd reaction for that too. Um, I, I, I'm always kind of I don't I don't know about this, but whenever they do like top rope moves, and then follow up by doing the regular move, that always puts me off um, a little bit. I don't know about you. I always think of it as like okay, they've 
they, they almost got the person. They just need to do like a little bit something extra to finally put the person away. I, I'm not mm. as bothered by it, but I can totally see where you're coming from on that. I do think like, you know, certain moves should be the peak of the match. I'm not a huge fan of like multiple false finishes in, in matches, especially, you know, when, when you have even epics like you know all japan heavyweight matches or like some of the new japan junior matches i do think if you get to hit the top rope version of something the avalanche version as it were then usually that should be the finish of this of the match yeah i i especially it's it's a pet peeve that i have with death matches in big japan when for example isami kodaka does uh his uh knee drop off the top of a ladder the guy kicks out and he, he hits a less impactful move and gets the win with that. I saw I saw I the, really, uh, the show from big, Yokohama big this uh, past uh, September where he does it off of scaffold onto a table on Sakuda. Yeah, and then he exactly. didn't beat him. I'm like, why is that the finish? <laughs> That's kind of taking me out of it. Anyways, getting back to <laughs> this match. Uh, we're, we're reaching the, the kind of the final stretches of this match. So we, we talked about the Avalanche uh, Brain Buster. I kind of thought it was more like a Fisherman Buster, Striga. But he only gets hmm. a two. And then... Maybe. At, at, at yes, least it was a yes, suplex. Yes. Uh, there, the there's a suplex element to it, definitely. Uh, Liger hits a brain buster but, on Subasa, but uh, Black Buffalo breaks the count. Uh, Subasa rolls up uh, Murahama with a schoolboy, but Liger breaks that up. So now it's just like each team, each member of each team is trying to get the win on one another. Uh, Murahama with, uh, hits Black Buffalo... I, oh, what did I write here? Uh Murahama rolls up Black Buffalo for for a big two count. Uh, it, it's just going all over the place. Yeah, at that at that point, at that point, the match went a little bit down the drain because uh, Laiga he stood inside the ring as Buffalo rolled up Murahama and Subasa was on the outside, and Laiga had to pretend that he didn't see Buffalo rolling up. Uh, Murahama and Tsubasa didn't really get it at the moment, but then he dragged Liga out to save the spot to yeah. some. Maybe extent. that confused me as well. That's where I have the uh, the break <laughs> in my notes here, but that's that's all good. Let's. How does the match end? We're kind of at the, the the end of the match here. Stringer, take us out here. Yes. So the match basically ends with the two pairings again here squaring off when Liga throws out Buffalo, who then also continues to drag Liga from, back from the ring. And inside the ring, we have Murahama hitting another brain buster for a two count. And then we get a close-up of Takihiro Murahama, who is, as I said, channeling his inner Yushin Thunder Liga, not only with a brain buster, but also with a move that then ended the match and he was looking at his right hand the crowd the crowd noise began to go go up and then he hit a move that was somewhat of a mix between a shote and an sto on tsubasa for the big win and for uh, the tag team title change, Yushin Thanalaiga and Takiro Murahama picking up the Osaka Pro tag team title. I think it's that it's Murahama who, who finishes the match and picks up the win for their team. Uh, I think a bit more impactful than if Liger won the belts. That's also something that always impressed me about Yushin Thanalaiga. He, of course, had to know or has to know that he is this legendary junior heavyweight, but he never booked himself in in a way 
that people got fed up with him and they said, ah, oh, he's always winning. No, he, he wasn't always winning. He was always intent to put new talent over. He was always intent to look down the road and see what is going to happen in a couple of years from now because now he's going to retire and he always wanted to get other people in a position that they could also um, get big stars from. And so that is something that he did here with Murahama and I, I – I have to believe that Murahama was very thankful for that, and uh, yeah, as I said, that's that's uh, that was always very impressive like to me. Other examples of his like selfishness, like selflessness, sorry, not selfishness, um, in like the matches he had <laughs> with Great Sasuke and Hayabusa in the different tournaments that they were in, where he would put these guys over or really sell a lot for them. With Murahama, I, I imagine if he didn't retire, there would have been a point where Murahama would have had a singles match with Liger and and he would have beat him. I have to imagine yeah. Liger really tried to get him to come into New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. So in the in the mid-2000s, we had guys like uh, Fujita Junior Hayato being in the Best of the Super Junior Tournament. And uh, I believe that Takihiro Murahama also could have had a shot of uh, making it to one of these yeah, tournaments definitely. in the mid-2000s. Um, so... That's it. this is so I want to give uh, like our final thoughts on this match. I I, I love this match. I, I want to thank you for picking it and, and and letting me be able to watch it. I thought it was a really excellent tag match. It's always a treat for me. Like we we talk a lot about the singles uh, matches from Liger's career, but it's not so often that we talk about his his tag team matches. And you know to, I'm gonna spoil things, but this is not the only. Uh, Liger Murahama tag match that's going to be discussed on the series. Uh, there's another one coming nice. up. I might have mentioned <laughs> what it was, but we'll, we'll we'll save that for later. And the guest <laughs> for that is a uh, is is going to talk uh, wax poetically about it. I'm not going to say who the guest is. People will have to tune in to see who the guest is about for that Liger Murahama tag match. I I'm a big fan of this tag team of Murahama and and Liger. I think it's up there with Liger's team with El Samurai and his his various teams with like when he would team with Wild Pegasus Chris Benoit or Black Tiger Eddie Guerrero. Um, I, I just thought it's such a great thing for him to venture outside of New Japan and especially kind of take Murahama under his wing and just kind of like say, listen, I've done all I can in wrestling. I don't have to prove anything. My goal in wrestling now is to get these younger guys over. If I can give them the rub by teaming with them, by, by having matches with them and them beating me even that's great. Yes, definitely. And you said this, this match was very good. And this match happened in 2003. And you can put this match in 2019 and you could you could do the match exactly the same way and it would still get over very well. And that is a that is a uh, point that made, makes a good match to a great match when it still uh, holds up to standards of uh, uh, over 15 years later. I think we can take away from Liger is that a lot of his matches, they're very timeless, that they hold up to the scrutiny of time. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah, so in the, in, at the end of this match, we get a handshake between uh, the combatants here. Um, kind of a mixed reaction by Tsubasa, though, because Buffalo went to, ch went to shake hands with Liger and Murahama. Tsubasa also kind of did, but he also had a throat cut gesture not sure what he was trying to bring across here. 
And as they left on stage, they were greeted by Gamma, who challenged for the tag team title. And his challenge uh, happened at New Japan Hyper Battle 2003, day 12, with Billy Ken Kidd. He was not successful. And Liger and Murahama went on to hold this championship for 308 days, had four successful title defenses before losing it to Billy Ken yeah, Kidd. There's another Kids. match that, in the search for this match, uh, I found there's another match, uh, I think it was from August, between Infinity and Liger and Murahama. I think that was probably a rematch for this title. That could very well be. Let me quickly check that. That was... Uh, um, yes, yes. Uh, August 13, 2003. Osaka Pro Story 19. Also a televised show, but I don't think that that is anywhere up. Maybe I still have it no, on, I saw uh, it on my uh, hard drive. Google I don't know. search for, for, for this match. So it's out there. It's oh. on... Uh, uh, our good friends over at RootTube. <laughs> so, if you're looking for a hard to find <laughs> match, it's it's probably either on Daily Motion or on RootTube. If you can't find it on the good old YouTube, there. Uh, final thoughts on yes. the the career of Jason Thunder Liger and and like his impending retirement, Striga. I believe that Jason Liger picked a very good point in time for his retirement. It's always great when. A wrestler retires and you you still think of him as a very crucial figure in his promotion and that he not retires in his 60s being an old man and wrestling much longer than he uh, had any right to have. And so Yushin Liger... I, I don't know. I don't know what I can say about him that hasn't been hasn't been said yet. Obviously, one of the most influential figures in Japanese pro wrestling, and to me, one of those guys that always tried to get some unity in Japanese junior heavyweight wrestling together with his J Cup attempts that he had. That nowadays is nothing more than a New Japan-based tournament, but in its original idea, the Super J-Cup was an idea to bring the junior heavyweight scene together and to to create bigger stars from, from that. So I don't know if there has ever been anyone in professional wrestling that has been a more influential junior heavyweight than Yushin Thunder Liger. I don't know. It's... It's 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 a, he's a great person. He's a great uh, wrestler, and uh, you you really can't praise him enough. I think, as I said, he is very selfless. In some of his years as a wrestler, he maybe maybe he he sold himself too short, maybe being so selfless. And even down to his retirement tour now, some some fans. Are really disappointed by this retirement tour because he's not going all over the world and going to all these different places. Um, he was in the U.S. obviously this year, uh, but but he definitely could have done much much more in his retirement year. But now at the end of this year, he's doing some more stuff: going to uh, Michinoku Pro, going to Kageki, going to Ryukyu Dragon Pro Wrestling. And what is what is the most telling of Yushin Liger's career is that at the Tokyo Dome for his retirement match or his second to last match I have to say as January 4 
he is having a match with a couple of his best friends. So he is. what a great uh, guy he is. I, we, we, as of this recording, we still don't know what his final match would be. Uh, we're, we're thinking it's a singles match against somebody uh, at on the January 5th uh, portion yes. of the Wrestle Kingdom weekend. And then, uh, Striga, I don't know if you heard, but I, I am going to be attending uh, his uh, retirement ceremony at, uh, Osaka, uh, at the Oda Ward Gymnasium uh, for New Year's Dash. I got my tickets. They're all locked up. So I'm very excited. I'm going to be going to that show with uh, Fraser. Uh, who is very famous uh, on uh, wrestling Twitter for going to every G1 last year, and uh, as well as <laughs> yes. uh, John Pollock and Waiting. So we're we're all very excited about we're gonna see you know the the, the retirement ceremony of Liger. Even if I didn't catch any of his the last two uh, either of his two last matches, I, I would just be excited to be able to see this retirement ceremony because I think it's gonna be the highlight of New Year's Dash. Yeah, I I, I imagine that to be a big draw for New Year Dash. I don't know. Is the show already um, sold I out? I think only fan club tickets were put on sale, and like Fraser is, you know, fortunate to have a couple of fan club memberships, uh, and he was able to get us uh, secure us tickets. <laughs> but it's very, very limited. But like New Year's Dash, when it's in Corkin, always sells out. I gotta think this is gonna sell out as well once it's kind of open to the the public. I think I don't know how many people overseas are gonna be able to get tickets for this. Uh, I don't know if New Japan is um, like you know kind of squaring away tickets for overseas market but definitely within japan i think there's going to be a lot of interest from japanese fans to snatch up these tickets and go to this show yeah definitely that should be a great great experience and uh, should be a great retirement for as i said one of the most influential junior heavyweights of all time i think they will do it in fashion and liger then can go on to his ventures after. So, his Striga, before we uh, close out the show, where can people find yourself? Oh, you already mentioned it at the beginning of the show. You can find me on the Eastern Lariat podcast on MLW Radio, and you also can uh, get some additional content up on our Patreon at patreon.com slash Eastern Lariat. And you also can find me on Twitter, where I'm at Striga, S T R I G A, and I also. Um, I'm a part of uh, two websites by the name of cagematch.net and purlove.com where we put up a lot of uh, cards and results. Cagematch.net, uh, one of the greatest resources for any professional wrestling fan. Uh, I can attest to that. I use it quite often. Uh, but also, I, I want to say, like, uh, you know, please support the, the Patreon. Like, you know, uh, I, I'm a big Hashimoto uh, tier level supporter of the Patreon. I'm, I'm also uh, honored to also be a, a frequent guest on the various shows on your Patreon as well. Uh, you know, like, I don't know when this, this episode is going to drop, but at some point, like, before this episode drops, I will have appeared on a draft show uh, with you and Dylan. Uh, and oh, yeah. that should be a lot of fun. If you if you haven't checked that out, go to the Eastern Laird and uh, check that out. Uh, I'm sure it was, it's going to turn out to be an amazing show. I, I, just for the, 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 the promotion names that we will create for that show, Striga. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, was once again great uh, to be on the show, and it's always great to to record wrestling uh, podcast with you because you're one of these very passionate people that always uh, get oh, their opinions you. across. So, really on like behalf that. of Striga, I want to thank all the listeners for uh, checking this episode out and checking out the other episodes in Thunderstruck. And uh, until next time, until the next episode, I will say goodbye to everyone.